Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Cult Leader early and ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Apple Podcasts. You're listening to a Morbid Network podcast. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Are you repeating the same relationship patterns? Find yourself with the same kind of person over and over again? Are you feeling attacked by this ad? Therapy can help you figure out why. Visit betterhelp.com slash Spencer and break the cycle. Hello and welcome back to Cult Leader. I'm your cult leader, Spencer Henry. And if you're new here, Cult Leader is a podcast about cults sometimes, moida most of the time, and I guess also UFOs now. Listen, I'll get into everything, how this episode came to be, why we're doing this, but I feel like I'm treading in new waters. There's a ton of UFO-focused shows, tons of extraterrestrial shows, and this is honestly, it feels kind of random, not just to me, but probably to you. Well, actually, no, I I take that back. It all ties in. On the Doomsday Duds episode that I did a few weeks ago, we talked about the Seekers, remember? Dorothy Martin, that housewife in Chicago who started an alien cult in the 50s. I don't know, you guys. It, this was bound to happen. Our cult was eventually going to have to talk about UFOs. In all seriousness, back in, I, I want to say February, perhaps, I was a guest on my friend Brittany Ferland's podcast called Worst First, and somehow or another, we got onto the topic of aliens. Would still love for her to come on an episode and chat because she had a lot of good information, a lot of good recommendations on things to watch, resources. Well, cut to today, a few months later, I thought, hey, since the new episode, American Horror Story season is coming out and supposedly half of the double feature will be alien focused. Why don't we do an alien case? Which real quick, I just got to say, I've watched the first two episodes of this new season and it is phenomenal. I'm so excited. I feel like American Horror Story is back. It feels like an early season. I feel like I'm like watching something excitedly for the first time in such a long time. Really excited for the next episode. Initially, I was 
was going to do another list episode, like the Doomsday Duds episode, but I ended up finding today's story, and you guys, I could not stop researching it. I had two other stories that I was going to tell with this one, but we're going to have to shelve those for a rainy day. And I'll be honest, I have pretty much no knowledge of UFOs, outer space, aliens, any of it, truly, other than what we've talked about uh, pertaining to certain cults like the Seekers or Heaven's Gate, who kind of center themselves around aliens and whatnot. I had so much fun researching this story, so I really hope you guys like it because I am so down to do more alien stories. uh, Once I've started, I'm like, oh my god, I can't stop. All of a sudden, I'm watching all these shows, I'm reading all these books, I am, I'm in it. And if you're concerned about me, you should be. I have other parts that I want to do to this. That's why I called this one part one. I have a hunch it's not going to end with this episode. Are you into this? Let me know. Truly let me know. When I say to let me know something, I'm actually asking you to let me know. You can say no, that's fine. I myself wasn't actually super interested in aliens and UFOs and stuff prior to this story, honestly. When we did the Doomsday Dads ones, I was kind of like, hmm, this is actually pretty interesting. But that was more their belief system versus actually hearing about like an alien encounter. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of hooked right now. Really on my alien bullshit. Not to mention during my research, as you can imagine, there are some very interesting characters that pop up in interviews about aliens and interactions and abductions. Our story starts on June 21st of 1947. Harold Dahl, a logger, His two crewmen and Harold's 15-year-old son Charles as well as their family dog are on a boat on the Puget Sound near Maury Island, Washington. Harold had been contracted to collect lumber from the Puget Sound Harbor. Around 2 p.m., their quiet afternoon on the water is disrupted by what appeared to be six bright metallic donut-shaped discs appearing overhead, seemingly out of nowhere. One of the discs in particular seemed to be malfunctioning, falling closer to the water, only several hundred feet above the boat, as the other ones continued to hover above at a distance. This malfunctioning disc started to rattle back and forth a little bit, and then all of the sudden, there is an explosion of sorts. The disc releases a bunch of metallic debris onto the water, the beach, and unfortunately the boat. Now the substance that this circular aircraft was excreting was described as a metallic slag dark stone. It was lava-like in appearance. They managed to get the boat onto land and get themselves out, but not everyone was safe. They had no idea what was happening. I mean, all of a sudden, right? There's these six flying saucers above their boat. One of them is raining something. It's just, it's pure chaos. It causes significant damage to not only the boat, but it also badly burns 15-year-old Charles's arm. And I'm sorry to say, killed the family dog. I know, horrible. I wanted to get that out of the way right in the beginning. It's like ripping off a band-aid, horrible. After the disc ejected whatever this lava-like substance was, it seems like it fixed the aircraft's problem. After the release, the other five UFOs, I guess we'll call them, drop down and they sort of surround it in a formation. And then silently, yes, silently, which for some reason makes this all the more terrifying, they all in a synchronized pattern begin to lift up and then disappear into thin air. 
when I was doing my research, I learned that when normal jets from this world are prepping for an emergency landing, they will release some of their fuel in order to avoid any sort of virus disasters. So perhaps these UFOs were doing their own version of this. Before getting the boat back out onto the water so that they could return home safely, they collected some debris from the beach where they had pulled off. They also collected some evidence from the water, and then they reported it. I mean, they needed evidence, right? Who was going to believe them? On August 1st of 1947, Harold is paid a visit that leaves him a little alarmed. Two military intelligence officers who were looking into it, investigating it, came to him and asked for the debris that he had collected, the rocks, so that they could take it as evidence, as classified material. Later that evening, the two men who had arrived to collect the samples departed by hopping aboard their B-25 bomber, which I keep wanting to say B-52, imagine. They hopped on their B-52... They went straight to the love shack. No, no, no. It's much darker. These two guys, they board their plane, which was bound for California. But just minutes after takeoff, the plane explodes in the remote wilderness outside of Kelso, Washington. Of the four men that were on board, two were able to parachute to safety, but the two pilots on board weren't so lucky. They both died in the crash. There's a few different theories on what caused the malfunction leading the plane to plummet. Some are more eerie. I watched an episode of UFO Hunters on the History Channel, and they said that it was an internal mechanical fire, but they also said that many have a theory that it was the debris that the men had collected to take back to California that somehow caused the aircraft to crash. The truth we'll never know. I guess the samples were put into this box, like this metal box, and supposedly it was pretty heavy in weight. Definitely not heavy enough to take down an aircraft, but again, it was an unknown substance. I read about the Maury Island incident in a book called Close Encounters of the Fatal Kind by Nick Redfern that talks about, quote, suspicious deaths, mysterious murders, and bizarre disappearances in UFO history. And in the book, it mentions something about the exhaust stack on the left wing burning out, which caused a fire. But it also delves into a few other theories that perhaps the plane was blasted out of the sky by a cannon fired from the military. But regardless of how it happened, it's certainly odd, right? Listen, let's think about this for a second. So this man has this sighting of these six UFOs, collects some evidence. Um, About a month and a half later, two military intelligence officers show up at his door and are like, hey, give us what you got, we're taking it, and then next thing you know, their plane explodes? There's definitely a reason there's conspiracies behind this plane's fatal crash. I got to do some archive digging, which is my absolute favorite, and I found an article from Saturday, August 9th of 1947, in an edition of Herald and News, the newspaper, where the headline says, Army Mum on Possibility of Flying Disc, but may check further anyway, so this article came out right after the plane crash. The article goes on to say, Hamilton Fields, California, which is where the plane was headed, August 9th. Intelligence officers of the 4th Air Force reported Friday that there is not sufficient evidence or testimony available to this headquarters to conclude whether or not the reports of so-called flying discs in the Tacoma area or any other area have any basis of fact. The two Army officers who had been assigned to investigate reports of flying saucers in the Pacific Northwest were killed in the crash of their plane as it was returning to Hamilton Field from McCord Field in Washington. Lieutenant 
Lieutenant Colonel Donald L. Springer, Assistant Chief of Staff, Army Intelligence, returned today from the Tacoma area. He stated that a reported explosion of a small boat off of Maury Island, Harold's boat, attributed by some persons to a flying disc collision, did not occur. Colonel Springer said fragments resembling molten metal were found on the beach at Maury Island and that similar material appears in great quantity both in that area and other parts of the Tacoma country. So they're saying that these rocks aren't necessarily anything new. Samples of this material were turned over to McCord Field authorities by persons who reported having seen the flying disc. The officer said that Sergeant Woodrow Matthews, crew chief on the plane in which the two Hamilton Field men were killed, reported that he had placed a heavy box aboard the bomber before it left McCord Field. It is presumed here the box contains samples of the metallic substance. The place was destroyed by fire and neither the box nor the material was retrieved. Sergeant Matthews and another passenger parachuted from the flaming ship. So it's a little bit of a contradiction, right? He's saying like, oh yeah, there's nothing to worry about. This type of molten rock is found all over the islands. Nothing to see here. But meanwhile, also admits that they took a box of the samples and were flying it from Washington to California to have it looked into. Seems suspicious. I mean, listen, I'm not a big UFO believer. I'm pretty ambivalent. I feel like about UFOs, like I feel about religion, like could be something out there. I know nothing, right? But that's also great because I can give my unbiased opinion. That being said, I think this situation is pretty weird. I mean, even down to the simple, like the dog dying. How did the dog die if something wasn't falling out of the sky? Now, like I said, it could have been that maybe a jet was flying by and released some of its fuel, but, but then the fuel wouldn't be in rock form. I don't know. Very confused. A lot going on here. There's another article I found from the Ogden Examiner that came out about a week before on August 3rd of 1947. And it it talks more about the crash. It says, quote, six pieces of what may have been a flying disc were being carried back to Hamilton Field, California from Tacoma, Washington in a B-25 bomber, which crashed and burned near Kelso shortly after taking off. It says the police and co-pilot were members of Army Intelligence assigned to investigation of the flying disc mystery, which nowadays, I just don't feel like that would happen, right? I feel like if you were like, I saw a UFO outside, no one's going to come looking at it. Probably because so many people have done that, but you know, different times, different times. So Captain William David Davidson and Lieutenant Frank Brown were instantly killed when their bomber plummeted to earth after the left engine burst into flames. What a weird way to say that, right? Plummeted to earth. That they were carrying with them six pieces of a metal or lava substance was made known by Captain E.J. Smith of United Airlines, who was in Tacoma with Kenneth Arnold of Boise. Davidson and Brown had gone to Tacoma in response to a message from Arnold, who had told them that he might have something interesting to show them, according to General Ned Schram of 4th Air Force at Hamilton. You don't need to remember all these names. Smith, who on July 4th reported seeing nine flying discs while his airliner was roaring over southern Idaho, said that he and Arnold had given the six pieces of metal or lava to Davidson and Brown shortly before they took off from McCord Field about 2 a.m. Friday for Hamilton Field. Smith said the pieces of metal or lava were extremely heavy and that when he and Arnold obtained them showed evidences of having been subjected to extreme heat. So again, it's kind of like lava rock, right? Unless I'm totally wrong and now I'm a little embarrassed because is lava rock actually from lava or is that just the name given to it because of its like features? Doesn't lava turns into rocks? You know what? Don't talk to I'm not a geologist. Arnold had gone to Tacoma earlier this week to investigate a story by Harold Dahl and Fred Chrisman of Tacoma who operates Tacoma Harbor 
Harbor Patrol, according to Arnold. Uh, just to clarify, so Fred Chrisman was the supervisor of the local private beach home security and was one of the guys involved here with Harold Dahl. So according to Arnold, Dahl and Chrisman said that their boat was struck by portions of what had appeared to be a flying disc in trouble and they had recovered portions of the metal. A lot going on here, long articles. Let's take a quick break and then we'll we'll do a little bit of recapping. This week's episode is brought to you in part by Best Fiends. I'm doing I'm doing a lot of self-care this summer, a lot of home improvement, a lot of whatever I can do inside because it is so hot. But sometimes the best way to give yourself a little reset, a little brain vacation is by sitting down and playing one of your favorite games like mine, Best Fiends. It's so much fun. I swear to God, I can just play it for hours on end. Anytime I have downtime, you know what I do is a lot of the time right now, I'm doing all these like DIY projects at home. And so while I'm waiting for paint to dry, instead of literally watching paint dry, I just pop out my phone and try and beat wherever I last left off. I'm on level like 200 now. My goal is to, I want to get to 300 by the end of the month. Best Fiend has thousands of puzzles and they add new ones all the time, which is awesome because then you never get bored. Plus Best Fiends is free to download so you can start solving puzzles right away. There are tons of cute characters and friends to collect as you go along. My favorite we know at this point is the slugs. Summer is a great time to get away from it all and whether you're unplugging from the internet to hit reset or just finding yourself without Wi-Fi, you can still enjoy Best Fiends. I love it because you can play it literally wherever. So even when I don't have internet for whatever reason, I never have to miss out on the thousands of fun puzzles Best Fiends has to offer. Download the five-star rated puzzle game Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Okay, so what we know up until this point, Harold Dahl was out on his boat collecting lumber with his crewmen, his son, the dog. The dog dies. The son's arm is injured by whatever's falling from these alleged discs that they had flying overhead. And then military men come in and collect the samples, try and take them back to California, but their plane explodes on the way. It's bizarre. I watched this film called The Maury Island Incident. It's a short film, really great watch, especially if you love a reenactment, which I do. It's based on the now declassified documents from the FBI. So apparently the FBI's files on the Maury Island incident in real life uh, were classified for 50 years. And once they were released, the records revealed all kinds of things. Like probably one of my favorite facts, which is that J. Edgar Hoover had direct involvement in the investigation of the Maury Island incident, which is fucking wild. So like the president of the FBI knew about this. So the film actually picks up in a really good place for us to talk about it now because it tells the story of Harold's experience after the incident, which is good because there's a lot that happened in between the two military men taking the confiscated evidence and the actual incident at Maury Island itself. And it's, this is a big deal. So take it as you will, but it's supposedly one of, if not the origins of the term men in black, which I found out after learning about this story. So I was fully invested in just the story itself before realizing how impactful the Maury Island incident really was. Like if you go to the men in black Wikipedia page, one of the first paragraphs talks about Harold Dahl and his alleged experience. The film picks up the day after the incident. The incident happened on June 21st of 1947. The film starts on June 22nd, 1947. Harold is having his coffee, right? He's just having his morning coffee when a man comes to the door in a black suit. He asks to talk to Harold about the incident that happened the day prior. And he's like, Harold's just like, uh, who are you? Do I know you? The man in black says, you're Harold Dahl. You have a wife, Helen, a boy, Charles, and a girl, Louise. Your dog died on the boat. You owe the bank 
X amount of money, just all of this information. Harold's like, okay, yeah, let's let's not talk about this here. So he ends up going with the mystery man, the man in black, to a local diner, and the two get to chatting. Harold is obviously taken aback and starting to question this guy's motives, right? As, as you would. Any stranger who shows up at your door with a ton of your personal information, you'd probably be thinking, hey, what the hell have I gotten involved in? What is going on here? Harold doesn't really want to talk. The man tells him what he heard. He's like, let me tell you what I heard and you can tell me if I'm wrong. It's 2 p.m. You're on the boat with your son and crew, da da da. Then all of a sudden there's these six donut shaped discs flying ahead. One of them fails, then an explosion. The dog is hit. Charles is hit. You get off the boat. You run onto the land and they take off into thin air. Harold asks the man, how do you know all of this? But the man just blows off the question and basically tells him, you shouldn't be talking about this to anyone. Because if you don't understand what you saw, Harold, how can you explain it to someone else? And basically starts to make some loose threats. Like, I wouldn't talk about this. You don't know what kind of danger you could end up putting yourself in. What if something happened to your family? What if someone gets hurt? And it was very clear that this was a bit of a scare tactic. Because, of course, this is real life. This isn't the movie Men in Black. There's no machine to zap and suddenly make Harold forget what he saw. Later that evening, the phone rings at Harold's house, and it's Fred Chrisman. Harold's like, listen, I don't want to go public with this. And it had only been a day, right? He's still shaken up. I mean, it's been quite a 24 hours from seeing aliens to the next morning having a man in black show up at your door and tell you everything about yourself. It's shocking, unsettling. Harold's like, I don't want to go public with this. This guy came by, he threatened my family, and friends like, no, 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 we gotta go to the press. We need to make it public. Which, who knows, this could be a cinematic scene, or this could have really happened in real life. And if it is factual, and it really did happen, then we know they obviously did go to the press, because, hey, hey, I found the articles. Uh, and it's, it's likely that this is true, because why else would we know about it today? I don't know. I'm kind of believing this all happened. I think the film is actually pretty accurate. The film then touches on the B-25 plane crash and the theory that it was possibly shot down. And then it brought up some stuff that I've heard inklings about. But I guess after going public with the information, the first reporter that Harold and Fred had talked to mysteriously died. And it was like this domino effect. Harold's wife got sick. His business was sabotaged. Either a strange series of coincidences occurred or the man in black was making his message clear. At the end, it just mentions some tidbits that I I also found really interesting. I guess in 1966, a 12-year-old kid named Elmer Frombach and his dad were camping on Maury Island when they found some, quote, slag-like rocks on the beach. So there was still evidence. And on the that show I watched on the History Channel, the UFO Hunters or whatever, which I know sounds like a crazy name, it was a really Really fun thing to watch. I highly recommend the episode on this. They went and collected evidence. They actually had a diver go into the water and collect some specimens to take back. I also listened to a radio recording on KNKX Public Radio where the host, Jennifer Wing, did an interview with Steve Edmiston who wrote and produced the short film that I was talking about. And I learned even more about the aftermath and the effect that it had on the Doll family. And we'll get to that after one more quick break. This week's episode of Cult Leader is brought to you in part by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. You can say goodbye to those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make cooking at home easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one 
meal kit. Listen, babes, fall's around the corner, and fall is a busy time. We got a, we got haunted houses to go to. We got a lot to do. HelloFresh comes in clutch. HelloFresh's recipes save you time you'd otherwise spend meal planning, shopping, and chopping, so you can get back to what matters, like wandering your local graveyard at night. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week, from vegetarian meals to calorie-smart choices to extra-special gourmet options. There's something for everyone to enjoy, with recipes designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. I love HelloFresh. You literally do not have to think about anything. You're just like, oh, cool, I'm going to pull this out, I'm going to whip it together, and it's going to taste awesome. Yeah, I'll do it. The fall harvest is officially on with HelloFresh. Count on seasonal recipes like pumpkin cinnamon rolls and Friendsgiving ready sides, as well as fresh, high-quality ingredients that travel from the farm to your front door in less than a week. Oh, I'm I'm ready for those pumpkin cinnamon rolls. I love HelloFresh. It's honestly fun. I've, like, turned it into, like, a fun night. It's, like, a reward. Sometimes when Madison and I record obituary, after we're, like, worn out and we don't want to talk or think about what to order, what to make, we just pull out our HelloFresh and get to cooking. It's easy, it's fast, and you don't have to think. That's that's what I want at the end of the day, right? I do not want to have to think. Go to HelloFresh.com slash ColtLeader14 and use the code ColtLeader14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash ColtLeader14 and use the code ColtLeader14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Goodbye. So I guess Harold's wife, Helen, had a really difficult time understanding everything that was going on, and it led to some volatile fights. Reportedly, once Helen actually attacked Harold with a knife, and like I said, Harold's business was sabotaged, his boat was vandalized, and perhaps the most bizarre was Charles, the 15-year-old son, literally disappeared shortly after the incident occurred. For like two entire weeks, nobody knew where the boy was, and then he was found two weeks later in love. Lusk, Montana. Like, what? And when they found him, he he was found at a restaurant, and he had absolutely zero recollection of how or why he ended up in Montana. Harold eventually comes out and says that the whole thing's a hoax. So let's talk about that. After the deaths on the B-25 bomber, the plane crash, Harold came out and admitted that the whole thing was a hoax. However, FBI documents show that agents at the time believed that Harold was just declaring the incident a hoax in order to avoid scrutiny from the public and to feel safe again, especially after the visit from the man in black. While I was doing my digging, I found a document that is a Senate resolution, which from my understanding is basically just a f- just formal documentation, keeping it on paper. It's a little wordy, so bear with me, but I, I think it's really interesting and really important. This Senate resolution, whereas on June 21st of 1947, Tacoma resident Harold Dahl and his son allegedly sighted six flying discs over Puget Sound near Maury Island, an event now commonly known as the Maury Island Incident, and whereas as on June 22nd of 1947, Mr. Dahl alleges that he was warned not to talk about what he saw by a man dressed in a black suit. And whereas on, there's going to be lots of whereas, I don't, I don't know, legal jargon. On June 24th, 1947, pilot Kenneth Arnold alleges he saw nine unidentified flying objects, UFOs, near Mount Rainier. And whereas these controversial sightings helped launch a pop culture phenomenon of UFO sightings across the United States during the summer of 1947, which became known as the Summer of the Saucers. Whereas on August 8th of 1947, two weeks after the Washington sightings, a UFO is alleged to have crashed outside 
outside Roswell, New Mexico. And this alleged crash has since become one of the most well-known alleged UFO incidents in history. And whereas on August 1st of 1947, intelligence officers Captain... William L. Davidson and First Lieutenant Frank M. Brown, who interviewed Harold Dahl about his sighting, lost their lives when the B-25 bomber they were piloting crashed outside of Kelso, Washington. And whereas following the tragic deaths of Davidson and Brown, Harold Dahl publicly claimed his sighting at Mari Island was a hoax. Then what happened to the dog? And whereas special agents of the Federal Bureau of Investigation conducted an investigation of the deaths of Davidson and Brown and ultimately concluded that Dahl did not recant his story, but that his claim of hoax was itself a fabrication to avoid further public attention and ridicule. And whereas the FBI's conclusions and Dahl's secret were sealed for 50 years, and whereas the Murray Island incident and its surrounding circumstances have made immeasurable contributions to Washington State's cultural heritage and a popular culture worldwide. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the Washington State Senate paused to acknowledge the 70th anniversary of the June 21st, 1947 Murray Island incident, the 1947 Summer of the Saucers, popular cultural phenomenon launched worldwide by these controversial events, and the first reference to the characters now popularly known as Men in Black, and be it further resolved that the Washington State Senate recognize and honor the heroism and service of Army Air Intelligence Officers Captain William L. Davidson and First Lieutenant Frank M. Brown, who lost their lives following their investigation of the Mari Island incident when their airplane crashed outside of Kelso, Washington on August 1st of 1947, and be it further resolved that copies of this resolution be immediately transmitted by the Secretary of the Senate to the Air Force Historical Research Agency, to the Mari Island Heritage Association, to the Des Moines Historical Society, to the Highline Historical Society, to the Burien Historical Society, to the Longview Kelso Historical Society, and to the Washington State Historical Museum. I, Hunter G. Goodman, Secretary of the Senate, do hereby certify that this is a true and correct copy of Senate Resolution 8648 adopted by the Senate. And then it's signed by him. But needless to say, the summer of 1947 was a weird one. Two weeks after the Murray Island incident, which is mentioned in there, was the infamous UFO sighting in Roswell, New Mexico. But we'll save that for another day. That's another episode. The incident that happened on June 21st on Murray Island was the start of what's now referred to as the Summer of Saucers. So whether you're a believer, a skeptic, or like me somewhere in between, it's safe to say that the universe is massive and there's no way for us to verify these strange occurrences. There we go. That's one for the books. Our our first full-on UFO episode. My final thoughts on this is it's one of the first stories that I've heard and thoroughly looked into where I'm like, hey, yeah, this might be a real possibility. And again, I said I'm most skeptic, right? I'm somewhere in the middle because to me, I think it's a little asinine to think that we're it that Earth is it. There's so much evidence out there that supports otherwise, but there's nothing concrete enough to say, hey, yeah, UFOs exist and this exists, but I would hope that we are not the epitome of intelligent species because, I mean, we're not the most smartest. Until next time, I'll leave you with the lyrical musings of one Mr. Will Smith. Here come the men in black, men in black, galaxy defenders. Oh, 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 oh. Here come the men in black, men in black. They won't let you Remember, goodbye.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Cult Leader early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen early and ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. The wait is over. So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Bing! The queen of the courtroom is back. I didn't do anything. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face. I see he's not intimidated by anything. I can fix that. New cases. She wanted to fight me. Leave her alone. Okay, so, um... Not, this is not a so. This is a period. Classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. The Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. It's streaming. You can say anything. (laughs) Judy Justice. Only on Freebie.